This is episode 47 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 47 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Mike Johnson on the show, and Mike Johnson is a production machine. The guy got into real estate as a realtor, and in his first year, he closed 52 deals. Yeah, that's not a mistake, 52 deals. He has also managed to accumulate himself uh, 11 doors to date. He does a lot of uh, triplex and fourplex conversions, and he's been very aggressive. He's done three deals in the last three months, and he's here to talk to you today about how he exercises that level of productivity, what the types of things that he does with his day and how he stays focused. I thought it was an extremely interesting interview and it's a little bit different than what we've done because it's really just focusing on the mindset, focusing on what goes in and the key ingredients to a successful day. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed it. Just a bit of quick housekeeping. The next Greater Hamilton REI meetup is happening on January 16th. And that is going to be hosted at the Nickelbrook Brewery. For detailed information on the event, please make sure that you click the link in the show notes of this episode and join our private Facebook group. You'll need to be on the guest lists in order to attend. It just helps us keep track of our numbers. So if you could please go ahead and do that now. Without further ado, please enjoy episode 47 with Mike Johnson. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Mike Johnson on the show. I've had three guests today, so yeah. <laughs> like, I make sure I got the right one here. Um, Mike, thank you for uh, for coming in and sitting down with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, you, uh, I know you have uh, an interesting story because I heard a little bit about it. And um, I heard you speak on stage and you are a high performing realtor, a guy that hit the ground running and is uh, kicking butts and taking names. So um, I want to hear all about it. I want to hear about your drive and determination. And, uh, you know, you're an investor as well. So let's hear all about it. Yeah, so I got into the business two years ago. Before that, I was in corporate. I, I'm from the East Coast. I moved up here to do my MBA at Laurier. Okay. Hated school, hated my job. I worked for Honda Canada. Um, and then I met uh, one of your competitors, I guess. We'll call him Sandy McKay from... Uh, We'll give him a plug right now from Breakthrough REI podcast. And one of his episodes, Sandy just got his license. I called him. Sandy sold me a house, asked him, question was how much money is he making a year as a realtor? Mm -hmm. Um, He told me and it was quite appealing. So say nine, 10 months later, I quit my job and went to work with Sandy. Did you start studying immediately? Yeah. To yeah. take your exams and as soon as you got ready you're okay i'm mm, out the door my old job so i worked in sales and operations so basically what i was doing i would incentivize dealers to sell more cars so whoever sold the most civics would go on a trip to mexico or we took them to stanley cup finals we took them to patriots game at one point and i would literally on those trips i'd be with them and just lock myself in a room and study and prepare for my courses so you, you were hustling with that and I, I just thought it was a really cool story. Uh, I was kind of like do or die, right? Like when you, when you quit your job, were you in a position, like how much time did you have before it was, okay, I'm going to be in trouble if I'm not making money? Yeah. So in the beginning, my wife was still working. Um, we had probably $15,000 in our bank account. She didn't have a huge salary. So I would say six months and we were, we were broke. 
So you needed to start seeing some commissions come in yeah, six months. But in three months, three months after I got my license, she quit her job. So does she work with you now? Uh, she, she works in our property management company. Oh, you started your own property management company? Not me, but Sandy and Adrian, the guys oh, I work okay. with, so uh, you guys started are it. Working together. Obviously, you're not just a realtor. You're also doing your own investing. And I, I know Sandy is as well. Um, yeah. Been meaning to get uh, get caught up with him as well and see see a little bit about his story. You you have the business background. You did the corporate life, realized that wasn't for you, uh, much like myself. Yeah. Um, I never really got into the corporate, but I just I found myself finishing up business school and saying, hey, I don't uh, I don't see myself in these these different roles. Yeah. It seems like you're taking the reason I thought this would be really great is because you're taking this like level of determination, like, hey, I'm deciding and I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Have you carried that into your investing as well? Yeah, like I am very goal focused. So interesting story that happened to me say within the last three months. So my goal this year was to purchase three new houses. Um, and I every morning I wake up and there's a picture of the houses that I'm going to purchase. Okay. Um, you got some specific ones that are going to be? Or? In Hamilton, they're all <laughs> two and a half story bricks. So I have three yeah. two and a half story bricks on my wall and those are the ones I want to purchase. But three months ago, I had zero. Now I have three. We just bought the third one three weeks ago. You and your wife? Uh, me and my wife on some of them, some of them with partners. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so you pulled that together. So you went from from uh, zero to 100 in yeah, the last like how had, many months? Uh, three months, three properties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you had uh, one before that, right? Or is no, it just your now home? now we're up to one, two, three. I think now we're up to six. Six in total? Okay. And what are you doing with these properties? Like, what do you walk me through what you're trying to find, what your thought is about what you can do with it, what it's going to be worth. Let's, let's start from the top. Tell me a little bit about it. So at this point, all multifams in Hamilton buy, renovate, refinance. Um, so when we purchase, we want them cheap. We want them beat up. We want to be able to fix them um, get an appraiser in there and then pull all of our capital out and do it again. Okay. So yeah. So our listeners will be really familiar with the Burr model. That's my favorite. Yeah. So the two and a half story brick, uh, brick houses in Hamilton. I'm familiar with those as well. I love those. They they got, they got character to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, so is that, that's your bread and butter. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. That's all I want to do at this point. Have you had one? Like you're not trying to sell them. You're just trying to keep them. Yeah. We've never sold anything. Okay. So you just want to do the Burr model. Okay. So what's the end value on one of these properties? The the most recent one we did, we had it appraised a few months ago. It came in at uh, seven hundred eighty-five thousand. Seven eighty-five. Now I've heard Sandy throw out some uh, some numbers of uh, a little higher than that, and what he thinks he can get. Yeah. Um, do you have you seen some stuff, or know of other people getting some stuff even higher than that? Yeah, recently, like I know I sold one to a client of mine. Um, it's legal duplex, four units. He bought it for three hundred and hit. I think it was eight thirty, eight forty, eight forty. Yeah. So something that he bought for three hundred. Yeah, that's a huge spread. Mm-hmm. Well, the one I just told you about, we bought it for two ninety legal triplex, seven eighty five. So. You bought it for two ninety. Yeah. How did you find that? In my opinion, you get deals in good deals in two ways only that I've seen at least. I'm sure there are other ways. So number one is prospecting banging on doors or making phone calls. Number two, are, it's realtor mistakes. So this particular house, it was listed by a Toronto agent. Um, I, they obviously had no idea what it was worth. Listed a 2,000 square foot legal try at 
300,000 and I was the first and only one in and we scooped it. I found a deal in London that way. It was listed by a Toronto realtor who did not list on the London board. And I I asked my friend about it, who's also a realtor. Um, He ended up doing the deal. We worked it out. But um, I'm like, hey, look at this address. He's like, what are you talking about? That's not listed. I'm like, I'm looking at it on realtor.ca right now. He's like, what? Mm. He looks it up. Yeah, it wasn't listed locally. It sold for way less than than it would have gone for if like London realtors couldn't see it. So yeah, that it, that's interesting that you pointed out because I've never heard anyone mention that on this show. But that is a that is a way you find deals if if a realtor makes a mistake and doesn't list it on the proper board. Yeah, yeah, it happens. I would say two three times a year. Like one property, two things, that, or, yeah, or you you're get those opportunities one. only okay. a couple times a year. I yeah. can think of a friend of mine. He bought uh, around Main Street in Hamilton. He mm-hmm. bought three of them in one shot. Each one twenty eight hundred square feet legal duplexes legal tries for 350 a piece and they'll, they'll appraise probably close to a million bucks after he did some work yeah he's gonna okay. got the whole thing yeah so that, that was my next question so you bought this at 290 and you've already done the work yeah and refinanced it now all six properties you own are all two and a half stories with the exception of one we have one two story okay so you're you bought this one at 290 what did you do to it um so we gutted the whole thing so back to the studs new wiring um plumbing plumbing, all new hvac new floors did you waterproof the basement too no no you didn't need to i i think you always should yeah um i would always recommend waterproofing i took my chances on that one took chances it is an expensive job Mm. and i've done it i know i know how much it costs it's a little frustrating but what's more frustrating is ripping out your brand new floors and trim yeah. <laughs> that that's also bad so especially uh, if there's a tenant living in there oh man it's a nightmare yeah i'm at the point now where i just i won't do it for anything uh, even if i'm gonna sell it because i just i would feel bad yeah unless i what i'll look for and we'll just take a pause from your story for a second is are there trees near the building because trees fill the eaves troughs eaves troughs filled mean the eaves troughs overflow that's where you get water in the basement the other reasons are downspouts aren't properly extended away um, and then major cracks. Yeah. But if you can get rid of the major cracks and there are no trees near your house, odds are you should be okay as long as you're grading it. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I've learned to look for these things in properties over the over the years because of getting myself into trouble. And man, water in the basement sucks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I think anyway. it's, a, it's a ticking time bomb. It, it can be, like right? Eventually, they're 100-year-old houses. Um, but you might never have a uh, some houses just never have a problem you know the grading such the soil type you know if you have clay type soil uh, it won't let water get away but if you have sand water never wants to go in it just it just goes down through the sand so there's so many variables but i say generally speaking depending on the extent of your renovation you might want to but if you already had a finished basement and you're not going to have to tear it apart then i wouldn't Mm -hmm. i just leave it until i needed to yeah so okay so you buy it you had to gut that whole one uh in this case you refinished the basement you probably had to smash up some concrete to do your plumbing for your bathroom there or a little bit but not much not too much okay so so you got a kitchen in the basement kitchen in the main floor like so full unit basement full unit main second and the very top floor exactly and then you have like a private staircase that, that goes all the way up yeah so tenants can get to their units they all have interior access and they have exterior access also that's amazing how do you have enough room like what's the footprint on that to have enough room it's 1900 square feet 1900 that's the footprint like that's not just like 
that's the above grade space or is mm, that the footprint yeah footprint i have no idea like maybe like 800 square feet like the main floor would be uh, like, seven eight hundred i would say so you're taking up a little bit of that with a stairwell yeah yeah okay well that hey that makes sense um okay so then you're in for 290 what are what about your carrying costs carrying costs closing costs probably 20 grand so another 20 grand for all that so you're in for Three hundred and ten thousand, we'll call it mm. at the end after your uh, after your reno. Oh, sorry, your reno. We didn't we didn't do your renting reno, reno costs. was two ten. So your renovation costs for two hundred and ten thousand. I knew I was missing something important there. So you're in for five hundred and twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. You get an appraisal at seven eighty five. Seven eighty five. And what does the appraiser think of the fact that it's only illegal two, despite that there are four units? So it's legal three. Oh, it's legal um, three. Okay, one illegal unit. Shh, the person we work with doesn't care. Okay, so they just recognize, hey, it produces income. It's actually a lot dictated by the lenders. If mm-hmm. the lender, sometimes lenders will just have a criteria that as long as it's self-contained, has a kitchen, has a bathroom, they'll consider it a unit. Yeah. So we do everything I do is with Scotiabank, and okay. I I like to go legal, at least legal too. Um, but I have clients that will chop up a single family into four units, and Scotia never seems to have an issue with it. Well. I mean, a lot of it's going to going to come down to the income, right? Like what, what can that bring in? If they can rent it, then, then technically it should be okay. I have hesitated on the illegal units. Cause I'm always worried about well, what if the municipality will change something, but in Hamilton, there's such a shortage of housing. It's hard to imagine them going through Hamilton and eliminating all the illegal units when there are so many all over the place. Yeah. yeah it seems, but then some municipalities that would the opposite would be true. You know, you could, you could be in illegal units and they'd shut you down. So um, in this case, though, we've got, so did you get 80% of the, yeah, okay, so refinance amount, 80% of the 785 value is 628,000. So uh, you're getting a net takeout. So you're taking money out from the bank, you're in for nothing. Yeah. And you're pulling out another $100,000. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think that might be the best burr I've well, definitely in the last little while. That's the best the best burr I've heard on the show. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had... Um, I can get... I'll get you a better one. You'll get me a better else. one? Yeah. I'm trying to think of a recent example I, of, of going through these. I've had um, a friend of mine just sold, uh, sold a property that uh, I had previously owned. Bought it from the guy I sold it to. Yeah. He bought it for 435 and then just put together a cash flow sheet and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and guaranteed the rents and sold it for 575 like two months later. Yeah. Made $140,000 for doing nothing. <laughs> Aside from like making, you know, a couple of calls and putting a couple of sheets together. But that's not a burr. No, just like a really, really slam dunk deal. That's that's impressive. Yeah. Nice. So any- Problem with me where I'm a licensed realtor, it's tough for me. I can buy anything on market, but off market. Yeah. It doesn't look good if I buy something. And then sell and it for a bunch more. It. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There's some disclosure issues there, especially if it's on market to on market or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of disclosure issues with with uh, with that type of thing. Um, But uh, getting back to this one. So one hundred and eight thousand. And what did you use that money for? Is that the next buy? That one. So we were going to use it for the next buy. Uh, sitting in our account but the bank wouldn't allow us to use it for a down payment really which i didn't and my wife told me that the other day i just i find the deals my wife deals with everything else outside of that but she told me yeah the bank wouldn't let us use it so 
weird we had the down payment already and we're using that money for the renovation oh okay yeah that's such an that's odd what she tells thing me at least that was probably an inexperienced underwriter that was i'm not that sure was, yeah that's that's funny i've never heard that one mm-hmm. i've they won't let you this is from back in my mortgage agent days um, i'm still licensed but i don't i don't really um do much of that yeah um they wouldn't let you borrow unsecured so okay. if it was an unsecured line of credit, but they were always okay if you if you secured it against the property. Like if yeah. you took a line of credit out on property A, you could use that as down payment on property mm-hmm. B, as long as you could still qualify with the ratios. Yeah. So it might have been something to do with that. I don't know. But okay, so I want to stick with this deal and, and let's talk about rents. So you've got four units. Yeah. And what are you renting out um, the units for? So basement is 900 all in. Including utilities. Yeah. And then main floor we got thirteen fifty plus utilities. Second floor we got fourteen fifty plus utilities, and then the attic I think we are at eight fifty plus utilities. Okay, so the uh, only the basement is utilities included. Yeah, and what you I imagine you have to pay water. You haven't separated that into four yeah, meters. Yeah, we pay the water. Okay, so one water meter, and what about gas meters? Just one. Ooh, yeah, just one. So the only thing you're separating is the electric. Yeah. So you're forty five fifty on the building, mm-hmm. and let's look at some of your expenses. Like, what's your your mortgage payment on that? Mortgage payment, I'm guessing here. I think twenty five hundred to three thousand. We'll call it twenty seven fifty. Okay, and then property taxes. Do you know the annual figure? Mm. I feel like it's like four thousand on something. It's not like much. That. I think a couple hundred bucks a month. I would think. Probably like four thousand a year on a house like that, maybe forty five hundred. I know it's like it's not in a great area. It's pretty cheap. Would it be three seventy five a month or not even? Mm, I don't think it'd be that high. Okay, so we'll say like three hundred a month. Yeah. Okay, so three hundred a month on property tax, uh, insurance on a place like that. Do you know uh, approximate one eighty? One eighty a month, and then uh, do you pay property management? No. No. Do you pay? Well, you're gonna have some landscaping. Yeah, we. So we have snow removal, and then we also have um, someone that comes and mows the grass. I think that's twenty five bucks bi weekly. Okay, for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So about six fifty a year. You get snow and grass done for six hundred and fifty a year. Yeah, that's incredible. I need your your contact. Snow, snow. I don't know. Um, like I said earlier, my wife deals with that. Grass oh. is twenty five bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Snow, I have no idea. If it was comparable to like one of my properties mm-hmm. like that, it'd probably be closer to like, if you combine the two, maybe like a hundred bucks a month across the year. Yeah. So like 1200 or a thousand somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So even if we were to say a hundred bucks a month, let's just say that to be conservative. So a hundred bucks a month on landscaping and then uh, maintenance, we should build in a number for that. What do you, uh, what do you use? Uh, I think we use three or 5%. Okay, we'll say five to, to be a little more conservative. Sometimes I think I should do even more than that just with yeah. some of the things that come up. But uh, so we'll, we'll call it 225 bucks a month, just allowance for maintenance, this mm-hmm. and that, whatever comes up. Any other expenses that you're incurring? Mm, just utilities. Oh, yeah, utilities. Any, I don't really think there's anything. Okay, so utilities probably be somewhere in the... 250, 250 300, something like that. Average across the year? Yeah. Okay, we'll call it 300 to be conservative. So let's see, what is your net cash flow? You're still getting, even after all those expenses, you're still positive cash flow on a property that you have nothing into that paid you $100,000. You're getting $700 a month positive cash flow. Yeah. 
no, I, I would uh, be doing as many of those deals as I could. For sure. That's uh, that's incredible, especially for Hamilton to get that kind of cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can definitely see why you're targeting that kind of property. Yeah. One, me and my wife argue about this a little bit. So there's always a question around, do you pull all your money out, pull out that hundred grand mm-hmm. tax free and pocket it? Or do you go with the lower, smaller mortgage and go for the cash flow? But I always think that for me to make that $100,000 back through cash flow is going to take me years. Oh, yeah. I would absolutely be pulling it I out. Take, what we've done in the past is take every last dime out of there. Yeah. As long as you can use it for an investment, right? Then you can write off the interest uh, if you can put it into something else, um, buy another property. It really comes down to your opportunity. Like, yeah. do you have more opportunity elsewhere or uh, do you have a line on more opportunity elsewhere that you can put that money back to work? Mm-hmm. It's cheap money, right? Yeah. Like that money's at three, you know, maybe three and a quarter percent right now. And you can go out and, you know, as an active real estate investor, make over 100 percent. You just did. Yeah. We can't even calculate a return for that. Yeah. It's infinite. Uh, so just calculating your overall return, that cash flow works out to be 84, uh, sorry, 8340 a month. Your pay down, I usually like to figure on 3% uh, a year. So 3% of your new mortgage, which we factored to be uh, 628000 So you're paying down about $18,000 on your mortgage in a year. Does that sound mm-hmm. about right? That I'm not sure of. Oh, yeah. You're not the guy that handles that. Okay. I'll just use my uh, my estimation then. And then appreciation, Hamilton's seen some great great appreciation, but we'll just go with you know a 3% um, appreciation and uh, if your value today is 785, then that's $23,000 of appreciation in a year. If you wanted to be really conservative, you could say only 2%, which is roughly inflation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if the numbers work on conservative, then they're really good. So let's yeah. just say it was that. So then your total return is 42,000 in a year and your return on investment is going to be, well, uh, we can't calculate it. What am I doing? What am I talking about? There is no return on investment. So you're just making $42,000 a year off this property that you really only have sweat into. Yeah. Who did your rentals? Um, so his name is Zorn Tomasevic with, uh, I think it's Harbor Properties, Harbor Hill Properties. Oh, okay. I haven't heard the name before. And uh, you were able to get a reasonable price on doing all that, uh, evidently? Yeah, he was. He always stuck to his timelines. We we did run into some city issues at one point, but that's not really his fault. He stayed within budget. One thing I really like about him, he he acts or conducts himself, he behaves like a business owner, um, where some contractors I've dealt with in the past do not at all. Yeah, they, they create drama and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I've dealt with that a lot. Yeah. I, I can definitely relate. Okay, so that that's great. Yeah, I mean, it seems like reasonable numbers for what you've done. I like got a complete gut, four units, with uh, you know all the fireproofing in between the units, and I'm sure that you've done reasonably nice finishes to be able to come out there at you know 200k. That that makes logical sense to me yeah. based on what I've seen. Um, so fantastic deal. Are you are you actively? Well, first off, how are you finding that? I know you said there's a couple of ways that it happens. Uh, you either you're either hustling and maybe door knocking prospecting mm-hmm. or you're finding somebody's somebody's mistake yeah so what was this property this one was a mistake that was the mistake okay yeah. what about the other ones you've got six so far um so most recent ones so one of them it's not a buy or a refi we're actually moving into it um total 
gut though what happened with that one so i got a call from a realtor i know he had the house next door listed yeah. and that one was at 299 um actually sorry 399 um i went to take a look at it it was too much for me um i would have had to go private but the one next door was for sale um horrible conditions super dated it was on the market yeah it was on mm-hmm. the market for a hundred thousand dollars more what i realized at that time no one was looking at it because it was a hundred thousand dollars more so we got it i think forty thousand dollars under ask okay yeah and what was your buy on that one we got that one for 460 so you're paying 460 how much work would you have to do on that one is it still at two hundred thousand dollars? probably 150 460 and then another 150 you're in for just over 600 mm-hmm. and you're still pulling out a refi of like six and change that one i'm not i'm gonna get a line of credit on it oh okay yeah and that house we're, we're gonna live in it so are you still sectioning it up into multiple units no it's gonna be single family oh okay so that's yeah. just home that should be should be worth around somewhere between 750 and 8 when it's done okay so play there will be to put a line of credit on it and then go buy more multi-fams yeah and so do you figure that uh, like is that the same style is that a two and a half story as well yeah so you yeah. just just like those mm-hmm. all right fair yeah. enough at least you know what you want yeah <laughs> okay so what's uh, what's the total number of doors then in your portfolio if you've got six properties so we have one's at home and then the other mm, five that are home we're at 11 yeah and you started how long ago first one we ever bought was in 2015 everything we, we did i said it earlier we didn't sell anything we actually did sell that one okay um next one was 2016 so i guess everything we we own we purchased in the last three years that's incredible man so we're gonna transition and talk a little bit about mindset now and and what you've done because as a realtor you hustled and uh, i'd love to hear about your strategies there how you kind of set up your day yeah how you find a way to balance being a realtor and a real estate investor and be able to crush it at both Mm -hmm. so uh why don't you enlighten me a little bit as to uh to how you conduct your days and 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 make things work on the realtor side of things there's really i think the skill set can apply to an investor if it's used the right way so i tell all the new realtors that join our team you have to do five things everything outside of that doesn't matter at all you have to lead generate you have to follow up with those leads to script and role play go on appointments and then negotiate contracts money-making activities all your time should be spent doing that and my my calendar is blocked for those activities um so i get to the office at eight i script until 8 30 um, from 8 30 to 9 i'll do some paperwork then i lead generate from 9 to noon um, then i have an appointment block after that after that i'll have a block for negotiating contracts and then anytime i'm not going on appointments or not negotiating contracts i kind of i view that day as a failure and i need to make sure it doesn't happen the next day so all the gaps in my day where i have nothing to do i'm doing more lead generation that's awesome and then most important part starts before the day even begins yeah before the work day begins so you uh you obviously know dylan i think you're not on dylan's team but you're yeah uh, i know um, you know dylan and his miracle morning i know you're doing the same thing so Mm -hmm. you're uh what time are you getting up uh same time as dylan 4 a.m yeah oh my god i get up at 6 a.m or 5 45 and i think that's incredibly early Mm -hmm. like that's uh that's a tough one i just like the way i look at it the highest performing people in the world wake up super early 
Yeah. Um, that's what I want to be in my future. I may as well replicate what they're doing. You might as well act like it. Mm. Okay. So what are you building into your morning? Uh, for those people who aren't familiar with the, the book, The Miracle Morning, haven't, uh, you know, kind of haven't studied that. Um, you know, what's that look like for you? And, you know, what have you kind of made your own out of it? Yeah. So I use just ripped off Hal Elrod. Um, he's got the saver. So it's silence for S silence, which is meditation. Um, A affirmations, um, V visualization. Then I exercise. That's in my opinion, the most important one. You go for like a run or something? Uh, it's all blocked in my calendar. So today was run day with the dog. Um, one, one morning is yoga. I have two, one morning where I lift weights and then two mornings where I do, uh, spin classes. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then you're, you're reading after that. That's the next and one. And then I read after that and scribe. And then I've added, uh, recently just like five minutes of gratitude. I built that in too, actually. Yeah. yeah. I, I built that in at the, uh, the silence part. I just do it mm. right after that. I was kind of I'm surprised he missed that one. It's so important. Well, I, yeah, because we were both at the same conference, and I, I know, and we heard him speak, and I think he had mentioned that he's like, "Oh, you can kind of make that your own and, and yeah. adjust it." And and I I remember kind of doing that back in the day. I read some of Rhonda Burns' books and mm. and realized how powerful that is. Yeah. And you know, you know, law of attraction, right? You get more of what you're grateful for, so you should really focus your brain on what to yeah. be grateful for. And uh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. So yeah, kind of conditioning the mind and getting ready for the day. I think a lot of people don't place nearly enough importance on that. I find I get tired very early at night. I don't know if you find I the same. I get about at 9.30 every night. 9.30? Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, the but evenings, uh, for the most part, that's when bad things happen in yeah. life. If you're going to get it in a bar fight, it's going to be in an evening. Yeah. If you're going to drink too much, it's going to be in, in the evening. Yeah. If you're the type of person that's likely, like you have the personality where you're going to do drugs, it's probably in the evening. Yeah. I've just, I've noticed a trend, like nothing good in my life really comes from the evening. So why not, not eliminate them? Why not just spend that time with my family and go to bed early? Do you have uh, kids? Mm, the one on the way in January. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And you're, you're married, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. As far as, uh, yeah, family life, you're going to be getting busy. Yeah. But uh, so one of the things that I remember, because I heard you speak on stage briefly, was that in your first full year of real estate, you did like an astronomical number for a, a new realtor. So uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So first year I did 54 ends. Um, two of them didn't close. So 52. Yeah. So one a week in his first year as a realtor. And I mean, that's if you're selling $400,000 houses on average, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a good amount of, of commission there on, on 54 ends. That means, um, so you were mostly the listing agent on yeah. those. So yeah, an end is either a list or a buy, a buying agent. So, uh, Mike, Mike likes to be a listing agent as he was telling me before we got going here. Um, so that's, that's huge progress. So you, you attribute that to your, your five, uh, money-making activities. Yeah, I think it's that. And what I find I'm pretty fortunate. I work for Keller Williams and we have this guy, he's, in my opinion, the largest, most influential person in real estate. It's Gary Keller. Mm -hmm. um, and he lays out a framework for all of us to follow. Is that in the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I read the book when I started, when I got in the business and 
my thought process was if this super successful real estate agent recommends I use this strategy or build my life in this way, I'm just going to do it. Or I think the average person will come in and their perspective is, yeah, there's this very successful real estate mogul with this plan. But yeah, I'm just going to try and do it my way and be entrepreneurial, which never made any sense to me. Yeah, I heard, I heard that, I forget where I heard this story, but McDonald's didn't want MBAs buying their franchises. Mm -hmm. They wanted to sell it to like farmers and and people who would not question the wisdom of the franchise. Like they they would just take the recipes, take the procedures and not try to mess with them. (laughs) Just take it as it was laid out because it was laid out by somebody who knew how to make it work. Yeah, like in our, our business on my team, it's almost like when we recruit someone new, that new person comes in and talks to us. So I'm Ray Kroc, and first day on the job, they want to serve curly fries, but McDonald's never served curly fries ever. It's like, why don't you just serve the regular fries? Yeah. We're successful serving the regular fries. We're successful using the systems we have in place. And we know it works because many people before us have used them. Yeah, that's smart. So, so what's it look like for you because i know everyone's kind of got a different type of prospecting that they do for you what what did you find that was a like a comfortable fit so for me it's all all done on the telephone okay so tell tell me about that i i just think like the ingenuity you know the the persistence is is a cool story i'd like i I think our listeners and viewers would like it yeah so i have it's called a mojo triple line dialer so every day i'll go in and just map an area of the city and the only aerial map is downtown Hamilton. Um, and then it pulls in all the phone numbers from the yellow pages and you just start dialing and you dial three people at a time. Uh, first one to pick up you speak to and I have, uh, there's like a voice recording. So if they don't pick up or if the call goes to them, but I'm online with someone else, it will just say, hello, hello, hello. And it will appear as a, Oh, okay. I can't hear them. Is it your and, hello that's... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you pre-recorded a hello? Yeah. And then, <laughs> I love it. And then they they think it's the phone that has a problem, and I just call them right back after I'm done with the conversation I'm okay. on right now. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So why Yellow Pages? That's uh, where all the phone numbers come so from. So you're, you're just calling businesses then? Not not homeowners? They're all homeowners. Oh, okay, so you're, it's sorry. Like, I guess Canada, the white pages. White pages, sorry. Well, that's what you want to say. Yeah, yeah the white pages. Um, uh, okay, so, but white pages, that, that's only uh, landlines though, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of dying. So that's all I have access to. But fortunately, the target market, target demographic of people that own the homes we want to invest in, or the ones that still have landlines, so it works out perfectly. Yes, that's that's why you always pay attention to who your target is, right? If yeah. you're if you're gonna renovate a property, know who you're renting to. Mm-hmm. If you're buying some from somebody, know who you're buying from yeah. or or listing from. Okay, so you're you're listing, you're you're calling to three. Somebody picks up. Yeah. How many calls do you get done inside of a day? Uh, when I first started, I was trying to do about 150 a day, like, like speak outbound to 150 calls. people oh, speak. a day. Yeah, speak to 150. Yeah. Holy crap. Mm. How do you, how long are these calls? Normally they're very quick. So, hi, my name is Mike, calling from Keller Williams. Um, do you have any plans of selling your house? And that's all you say? They'll swear at you, <laughs> like, tell no, you no in a ton of different ways, and conversation's over in 
yeah. 20 seconds. At least in Hamilton, I've noticed, like, I, I sent him some flyers. I had people, uh, you know, call me and threaten my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you'll, you'll get some interesting stuff from, from, uh, from that demographic. Yeah. You definitely build some pretty thick skin. That's, that's valuable, though. Had yeah. you ever done that kind of thing before? No. No. No outbound cold calling. So your first day on the job is like, okay, 150, let's go. Mm. And you did 100. And my life is on the line or my, my future is. Yeah. So you just knew like, I'm going to have to do this. Yeah. Did Sandy do that? Um, he did at one point. So we, that model, we kind of pulled it from Mark Loeffler. Sandy oh, yeah. was trained by Mark and then I was trained by Sandy. So. Okay. Yeah. I've got Mark lined up to come on this podcast soon too. Yeah. Mark's yeah. a guy I respect a lot. Like he, he ran a very tight ship. You can ask him about this, but the story I heard, he would lock everyone in a room not locked in. They made the choice to go in the room and his assistant would be standing at the door and he'd collect cell phones. And then he'd have landlines waiting for all his team members in the room and they pretty much had to call from 9 to noon or 9 to 1. And if they didn't like it, uh, Mark's team wasn't a good fit for them. You know, how, how would that kind of a room prevent them? You know, how would you not be calling the same person? It's a big city. Big city? So they yeah. just... Like with your thing, like, does your system automatically rule out numbers you've already caught, talked to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you could say, oh, don't call that one again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a numbers game though. If someone else is calling the same area, the person they call may not be home at one time. And then I catch them when they're home. And yeah. two months ago, they had no plans of selling. But because I'm calling at such a high volume, I catch them on this perfect day when something yeah. has happened in their life that's caused them to, to want to sell. So do you... So 150 calls a day, are you still doing that or are you doing more? Uh, I, no, I'm not doing more, but I've, I do less myself now, but I have a, v, a VA that is calling calls as well. about 200 people a day for me. And calling from what, like, like a VA in India or something like that? Uh, Philippines. Good English? <laughs> Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. And they're, uh, he or she is okay with, with getting yelled at. And yeah, they're fine. <laughs> I know they're fine with it. I can give you one of these. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. I can get you one if you want one. Yeah, actually, we should, we should talk about it. I, I mean, I guess I'd, I'm curious about how to implement it. But I mean, for me, I'm looking for my own lead gen, like yeah. to, to buy properties. Mm-hmm. I'd love to buy properties and, you know, from people who don't necessarily want to list. Yeah and um have have some sort of a motivation to want to sell off market which let's face it there's lots of quick closings Mm -hmm. um you know maybe the the privacy issues they don't want anyone to know that they're doing it lots of reasons that 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 might be a fit so i'm trying to think of how how i can get creative about finding leads Mm -hmm. and i'm not opposed to outbound calls but i feel like that's probably a lower percentage for me than for you as a realtor yeah have you ever used it to to generate a lead to buy for yourself well, when I first got in the business, I had no money, so that was an, an option. Yeah. So I would generate the lead and find someone like yourself and sell it to, okay. to someone I know. Um, oh, now, so you, you did sell some stuff off market. It didn't all list. For sure. Okay. Yeah. You're, um, you're still welcome to bring me uh, to bring me yeah, deals. Just no, for absolutely. The Whoever. Uh, yeah, I tell anyone that's interested in it. If like if you. Promise me you'll close the deal and not screw around and not take too long thinking about it. Yeah, you know, get to the top of my list very quickly. Interesting. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that that mm-hmm. some more. I mean, for for me, I got to be able to buy it at a price I can make money. So that's, yeah, for sure. Well, I think yeah. with certain sellers, they like you said, they need some kind of flexibility. They either need a very fast close. Sometimes it's the opposite. They need a really long close. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they just want to know it's done, a right? solution yeah. to them at a price that makes sense for both of you, I think everyone wins. And very often that price is not what they could get on market. They're well aware of that. Yeah, exactly. Like some, some of them will just decide it's okay, right? Like mm. this is what I can do. This is what makes sense. And you get a deal done. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So for anyone listening, like don't be afraid to contact local realtors, even if you are looking for off market stuff, because you never know, you might, they might be a perfect fit. They might have somebody, yeah. you know, maybe you find a really funky house that you don't even want to list, mm. but you're like, there's, there's potential. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the time it's, uh, Older people and specifically hoarders, they never want to go to market mm-hmm. and hoarder houses are the best deals. Yeah. Or the cat pee houses. I've only heard about them. I've never, mm-hmm. I've never found my cat pee house. Yeah. Um, my mother-in-law and, and my wife did buy a house, uh, sixplex together and, uh, the garage was a cat pee garage. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I went out there and, and my eyes were burning. It was yeah. so bad. You'll be amazed what you see as a realtor. The one I told you about, I, I sold it to a client last year, legal duplex, 2000 square feet for, uh, 300. Mm-hmm. The one that appraised at 830. So that house lady had passed away five years ago, sitting vacant. She was a hoarder, literally garbage from the floor to the ceiling. And there were little pathways carved out. What an amazing opportunity. Yeah, if you are willing to take that on. Most people are too scared, though. See, that's that for me is not even a slight issue. Like, no mm. amount of reno or work and a property is scary. It's, it's is it worth it? That's yeah. the question, right? Junk and all that, don't, I don't care about that. Structural mm. issues, don't care about that. Bricks cracking diagonally, and, you know, then I start to look at, okay, yeah. well, that could be a little bit deeper. I'm going to need a deeper discount mm-hmm. to make sense of it. But yeah. every, I am a believer that every property is a deal at the right price. For sure. Yeah. It's just sometimes that price might be almost free. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with time, though. Like, I, I'm, I have that men- mentality now, but uh, three years ago, I certainly didn't. Yeah, you want, yeah, and as anyone getting started should. Like, you should pick properties that that you know are going to be manageable for me when i got started i wasn't finding fantastic deals on the market i was renoing smart yeah. and it was a slow uh you know and time consuming for me process yeah. but i was able to do some really good burrs because of it yeah. student rental burrs you know just seeing value that others can't see mm-hmm. which which was what i was kind of doing but i realized that that model is is a, a hard work model yeah. and i would much rather do a smart work model mm-hmm. so that's sure. That's why I'm uh, re-gearing now to, you know, focus more of my energy on finding off-market stuff. Yeah. I think when you're in the beginning, it's better to jump in, even if you look back and you realize you purchased something for too much or it wasn't a perfect fit for your portfolio. Sure, I love renovating something and pulling $100,000 out tax-free, but long term it's not timing the market or getting that perfect deal it's just spending time in the market yeah things i overpaid for three years ago people think i'm a genius for buying them today that's i think taking action is the most important thing everyone everyone looks like a genius for holding property yeah. isn't that the funny thing oh i wish i had the you know the foresight to to know the market was going to do that well we all do yeah. it's it's a matter for me it's more of a, a matter and an equation like i need to be able to cash flow so that i'm not going to be paying that property and it's more sustainable yeah. and i'm looking for something where i can burr it and pull it at least pull the money i've got in and back out if not all most yeah. like you know maybe a few thousand or ten thousand left in kind of thing do you know um dion Beck? 
I know the name. He sponsors. Get him on this podcast. It's, yeah. You just said you'll only buy something if it cash flows. I'm the same way, but he's got a very compelling argument for people that are new to investing. To buy cash negative? Belief, not to buy cash negative, but his argument is that it's it's not necessarily a bad investment if you're in the red a couple hundred hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Because the principal pay down and the appreciation long term. Oh, I agree with you. We'll put you in a good place. My counter to that is, and uh, yeah, we, we could duke it out on it. But uh, my counter to that is, is that, uh, yes, if all things go as they've been going, perfectly agree. Um, it's when they don't for me. And I just know me and I, I guess I'm more speaking for myself and, and how I feel about it. But I I don't ever want to resent that bill. Like when I get a call and say, well, you need a new roof and it costs $16,000, which yeah. by the way, I did just get quoted 15,000 on a new roof on one of my properties that I've only owned for a few years and the roof was supposed to be fine. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that it was nailed to barn board instead of resheeted. They didn't resheet it the last time they did it. So they yeah. cheaped out. And uh, now I'm finding out and a shingle blew off because it wasn't properly nailed because it couldn't, you know, you have gaps between the boards. So if, if your seam happens to fall there, then you're oh, tough luck. Um, when those things happen, I don't like that feeling in my gut. I'm like, if I don't have the money saved aside for it. So to me, the cash flow builds my accounts, which is buffer for all that stuff, right? I like, I like to keep $15,000, 10 to $15,000 per property before I would even think about taking money out of that account. And uh, I do that now, but in yeah. the beginning, I d- did not do that. Like right. I, I would make a little bit of money from my job and go to zero. But that's, you know what, for your again. personality, that seems to work quite, quite well. I don't do that anymore. I, yeah. I did it then because I felt I had to. But you gave yourself hustle, right? And you still hustle. I guess mm-hmm. you've, you've, you're starting to work a little bit smarter than harder uh, at the moment now. Yeah. Now it's e- so much easier when you get more access to capital. Yeah. Um, the first one we did, we spent all of our money on it. We probably had a couple thousand dollars left to our name mm-hmm. after we purchased that. And then that was in my wife's name. And then I, I bought the next one six months later in my name. Um, and then I remember there was, you know, the old clay pipes in Hamilton? Uh, yeah, clay tile, yeah. It was up on the mountain. So one of those completely collapsed. And we brought a company in, they dug it up, and before we knew it, we spent 12 grand on that pipe, but that was 12 grand I needed for the next house. Um, Those are frustrating. Frustrating, it's terrifying, but you make it work. Those are some of the the biggest pain points, I think, on on real estate that I've seen for for cash calls that I wasn't expecting are your sanitary sewer, just like that. So either roots roots uh, break in and collapse it or they just break in and clog it and you get a toilet backup or you know your sewer backs up inside the house and uh, you know it gets really ugly (laughs) so that's one of them those can be extremely expensive you're either going to line the sewer it's going to cost a lot of money or you're gonna have to dig it up like you did Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so you gotta have to but you have to have a budget for that or camera it out before you buy it but I mean I don't know what your, you know, what your luck is going to be trying to tell a seller that, hey, you have a clay tile pipe, we're going to pay you less. Well, hey, the other three buyers are, are okay with it. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe that works, maybe it doesn't. But then, yeah, roof and then furnace, AC, uh, those are probably the biggest three or, well, yeah, four uh, yeah. costs. I don't know if you have any others that you've noticed that are uh, kind of surprises. What but, I have noticed, I've noticed nothing costs more than $10,000. Um, fair, fair, fair. That's kind of my rule. Yeah, nothing really does. No, not on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and things it's add very up. rare. I'm a bit of a paranoid per- person. So 
when a pipe bursts, I worry that something else is going to go wrong at the same time, and I want to have enough money sure. to cover it. But then my my wife pokes me and tells me I'm being ridiculous. Like, what's what are the odds of two pipes breaking in two right. houses? And there is always like the more you're in this game, you know, private money in a worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. If you needed, you know, a, sh- a short, quick, you know, quick fix yeah. uh, to get some cash to pay for something big that happened. I had a, I did have a reno that was kind of a cash call. It was about thirty thousand on one property at the end yeah. of the summer, and I wasn't expecting it, but it uh, it was kind of like okay, I'm going to need to do these things. I might as well do these other things too. And I just did it and I made the property better at the same time. But it might not always be on your radar as an investor. So you kind of have to have some money set aside. But that's why, you know, Dion Begg, he might have a very good um, approach and it it could work for a lot, especially like doctors and and people who make so much active income and just needed somewhere to put it. I, I could say, yeah, that probably makes sense. It would just really suck if you had like the same thing that happened in like uh, 89 to 91 where there was a huge crash and it took it took like 20 years to fully recover inflation adjusted yeah. you know if that if something like that happened and you bought in the high high market you'd probably yeah uh, you probably wouldn't be too happy no. <laughs> so yeah that that was that's my counter to that right yeah. it's just if the market does go down and i still have cash flow it's going to be that much more palatable mm-hmm. it's kind of where my head's at with it it's tough though, right? When you're first starting out, you don't have a lot of money. It's hard to get your hands on something that does cash flow. If you have access to 20 grand, what can you buy? You can buy a single family and it's, in this market, it's probably in the red. Do you, do you see real estate as a true passive game though? Because I think some people try and get into it as a passive game. Yeah. And I think that's their mistake. Mm-hmm. I think that as a real estate investor, if you want to be passive, be a joint venture partner that just puts yeah. up the money. But make sure it's with somebody that you trust. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's with somebody that you know would, would look out for you before they'd look out for themselves. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, be ready to put in the work. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's a way around that. So It is a lot of work. I think like with these buy, rental, refi projects where you go really deep on the renovation, to a certain degree, the product when it's finished, it's a brand new house. So it's very rare that we have, ever have serious issues at this point. Yeah, are you redoing the shingles in those processes as well? Uh, generally speaking, yeah. So you're redoing the roof, like you're doing the, the big things. So, And if you waterproof the basement, then you really should have no issue unless you have the sanitary sewer backup. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you could literally just go through a checklist and if you've done it all, then you know, okay, yeah. I really shouldn't have to do anything on this property. Mm-hmm. So, But you never know for sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but my point with it, it being active is you sometimes if cash flow doesn't doesn't exist, you have to create it like you did. Yeah. You know, you go in and you renovate that project and you turn it into something that you can get cash flow on. Mm-hmm. But if you can't, then maybe you look at other markets or you have to get more creative. Yeah. So there's there's always a way. It's just not necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. And I think the people who want to be able to just work their full time job and buy a cash flowing property, that's getting harder and harder. For sure but i think i think it's worth it it's worth being an active investor especially with what you're seeing in, in appreciation like think about how much your properties have gone up in value even mm-hmm. in the time you've owned them yeah it's a, some of them have doubled some of them have doubled since 2016 yes the one we so i'd say the first one we bought if i still owned it it would have doubled the one we have right the second one we bought that's in my name i think we paid 200 for it Probably worth three fifty. No renos. They just basically just bought it. new yeah. flooring. That's it. Okay. 
and then you started burring on the last like four or so uh yeah okay and out of those how many do you have jv'd um we have three of them jv'd jv just like yeah. a 50 50 and the investor put in the money uh one of them's 50 so it's uh he doesn't even live in the province he's from vancouver okay. um obviously you can't buy anything in vancouver at a reasonable price so yeah. he he actually he watched a video we uh we made on investing and called me and Nice. two months later i had 300 grand to play with that's beautiful well you had a youtube video you put up mm-hmm. yeah cool i'll have to check that out i didn't know do you have a channel uh yeah we call it uh we're not consistent like you definitely not once a week but uh call it moguls in the making moguls in the making yeah yeah so i have the podcast is once a week but mm-hmm. what i really need to be doing is like educational videos on specific yeah. topics which i am not currently but that is really a next next step. It's yeah. been about clearing enough off my table with the podcast side of things so that I have time to do that too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I see, yeah, like just like what happened for you there. Yeah. It's uh, there's so much opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Mike, if people wanted to uh, to get in touch with you and uh, and learn a bit more about what you do, mm-hmm. um, where should we send them? Uh, so email is probably the best way to get a hold of me. It's, uh, Mike at McKay realty network.com. Okay. Um, yeah. Are you on social as well or? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Um, you post like some of your stuff, your renos, your work, nothing like that yet. Once in a while, but not, uh, not consistently. Okay. So we won't send people there just yet. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got your YouTube channel, but YouTube channel, not consistent. We're starting a, uh, it's actually through KWIP. We're starting a podca- podcast called, uh, sales beast. So we're inter- okay. going to interview the, the top 20% of agents in Keller Williams. That's awesome. And uh, you know, I hope, I hope people really got a lot out of this because you know, the way you're crushing it and just following systems and putting your head down and, 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 uh, you know, not questioning tried and true wisdom is uh is amazing i think there's a time to be creative absolutely but when it you when you know it works and you can just go out and monetize it and then focus your creativity on how you'll finish the house you renovate (laughs) um it's really smart Mm -hmm. i uh, i'm definitely looking forward to following where you end up in in the next 10 years and and just how much you do but uh just before you go is there anything that uh that you would want to share with our our listeners and viewers a piece of advice sure yeah I would say your best thing I've been exposed to or learned recently, it's just that you are the average of the five people you spend your time with. So be very, very, very choosy about who you keep in your inner circle. If someone is in alignment with where you want to go, even if they're a family member, um, maybe they're your best friend, separate yourself from them. Yeah, and that's that's a hard one to uh, to uh, follow. I think uh, you know some. You're not going to cut your your parents out of your life, but you might mm-hmm. you might spend a little less time with them if they're if yeah. they're constantly bringing you down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a good piece of advice, but a hard one for a lot yeah. of people. to I got follow. lucky with that because I'm I'm from the East Coast and moved up here, and I didn't know a soul when I got here, and spent the last few years in Toronto, and now I moved to Hamilton, and once again I don't know a soul. So everyone I hang out with Sandy, I hang out with Adrian, I hang out with Sandy's yeah. wife Kate. And they're all doing this at a high level. And I don't really see anyone else other than that. You know what? That's, that's actually something I noticed about you. Because like, I knew Sandy was doing that. And then when I spoke to you and you're on Sandy's team and you guys are doing the exact same thing, I'm like, that's brilliant. 
You know what I mean? You want to yeah. learn how to do something, go go work with somebody who does it. Mm-hmm. And it just rubs off. And that's how I got into the student rental game. I know yeah. we didn't really talk about that today, but um, yeah, I got my, my buddy was just absolutely crushing it. Mm-hmm. And he was nice enough that he would actually pick up the phone when I called and I talked to him. Yeah. And we shared, you know, little ideas back and forth. And, you know, it's just, I love how things like that can work in the investor world. So yeah, yeah surround yourself and, and uh, and on that note, uh, the Greater Hamilton REI meetup. If you uh, if you ever want to make it uh, out, I'm sure plenty of people would would love to hear what you're up to. And for sure. And uh, you know, Dylan occasionally makes it out. He's been really busy planning that event. But now yeah. that that's gone, um, and I'm sure he'll be out to the the next one as well. So, anyways, uh, thanks again, Mike. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'll look forward to an update. For sure. Hey guys, thanks for watching today's episode. If you have not already done so, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you're on YouTube, please make sure you click that like and subscribe button as well as the notification bell. Leave me a comment below. And while you're at it, why not share this episode with somebody that you think it can help? I would really appreciate it and it's going to help this podcast grow and help build the community around it. Thanks a lot. We'll see you on the next episode.